We kind of need a Caribbean song this week, don't we? <laughs> to remind us of the hope that is within us. As Pastor Reggie reminded us last week, this isn't a hope that's a dream. It's a confidence we have, in spite of all the evidence to the contrary, that God is sovereign and that things will end well. What a week it's been for our country and for our world. The most powerful religious figure in the world comes out with a declaration to protect creation in order to protect the lives of the vulnerable. But the day before that, the most dastardly act one can imagine, a stranger invited into a Bible study at a historic church, treated as family, listens to the word for an hour, and then murders his hosts. We're going to talk about hospitality today. God's timing is always perfect. But before that, I want us to recognize a couple of things that have happened. First of all, the wonderful witness that Emmanuel Church has had in response I don't know that I've ever heard Jesus Christ named so often in the media, all the time, in the words grace and forgiveness, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the grief, exactly where it has the most impact. Several of the media folks didn't know what to do with that. They didn't understand it, which is all the more reason to be grateful for it. And so we need to pray for that church. We need to pray. I, I, a couple of days ago, I, I texted our sister church, uh, Pastor Paul Wright, and the Calvary uh, Temple of Praise Church in Sanford. And I said, we are so praying for you at Northland. Because I know as people come to worship in congregations that are predominantly African-American this weekend, there will be a fear a feeling of unsafety because of possible copycat activists. And so we need to pray for them. But we need to pray for us too. Because what this exposed was this horrible infection of racism that is still a part of us all. And we need to break this bondage we need to break this bondage. Someone has said that the church of tomorrow will be built out of the logs we take out of our own eyes. We need to understand there's work to be done and there is no way to overcome evil with good outside of actual relationships. Actual relationships. Relationships with people who are different than we are. Relationships that make us uncomfortable. Relationships that are begun or continued or built simply because of that's what we saw in Jesus Christ. 
So I'm going to pray along with all of us right now for Emmanuel Church. They're meeting this morning for the first time after this horrible, horrible act of murder. And we know where it comes from. We know that the father of lies is a murderer, is a master of deceit. He still whispers into the minds and the hearts of people. We know ultimately this is not a struggle between flesh and blood, but of powers and principalities. But we know what's going to cure this ultimately. And that is the Christ who bridges the gap, who builds bridges over the barriers. And so let's pray right now for our brothers and sisters at Emmanuel and, and many predominantly African-American churches in this country. Lord, we come to you on behalf of our brothers and sisters. We mean that literally. They are of our blood because we are of Jesus' blood. We all came from one couple. We are all related. And so we pray that as Emmanuel gathers this morning and churches throughout this nation, we will be able to place our trust in you we will be able to focus on Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. And we will be able to rest secure that you are going to bring good out of evil and that you're going to use us in part to do it. Help us now understand your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The scripture for today is about hospitality. The scripture that is a part of the discipleship series, becoming a, participating in the mission of the church, comes to a place where the church is planted in another culture. You know, the church began as a part of Judaism. I told you last week or the week before, I was with some of my favorite rabbi, rabbi friends and, and, and they said, you know, we count the church as one of our biggest success stories. They still see the church as, you know, the Jewish plant. But there's a little problem with that theory of history, and that is we are in the Gentile community. And so this passage has to do with a Jew going into the Gentiles and looking at the Gentile. Gentile is, for those of you who don't know, is anybody who's not a Jew. Anybody who's not a Jew and seeing God just as radically involved there and just as loving there and just as powerful there as in all the history of Judaism. And it starts out with an unlikely pairing. It says in Acts chapter 10, verse one, it says, there was a man at Caesarea named Cornelius. Of course, that's a Gentile name. A centurion, a head of a, a battalion, um, of what was called the Italian cohort or the Italian battalion. I love that name. Um, obviously not Jewish. A devout man and one whom feared God, listen to this phrase, with all his household. This isn't about a man, this is about a group. With all his household and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. Now, let me, let me just stop here and tell you, tell you what's happening because it's what God wants to happen with us. 
Do you remember when Jesus, in John chapter 4, where it talks about Jesus addressing the woman at the well? He, as I told you at that instance, in that day, broke all kinds of uncomfortable social and cultural barriers. It was a man talking to a woman in public. You didn't do that in that culture. It was a Jew talking to a Samaritan, a religious barrier. You didn't do that in that culture. It was a righteous person speaking to obviously an unrighteous person who had gone through all kinds of relationships in her life and was now in a relationship not countenanced by any thinking religious person. He broke every one of those barriers in, in order to do what? In order to create a conversation and build a relationship. And now, what's happening in Acts chapter 10? Where's this, this devout man, Cornelius, who has a vision? An angel comes to him and says, I want you to send for Peter. Now remember, Peter was not the apostle who was commissioned to go to the Gentiles. Peter was the guy who, who wanted to stick with the Jews. Let me just evangelize the Jews. Let, let me tell the Jews about Jesus. But no, he's not exempt. Not from a, by a specific call, from a general call. And so he says, I want you to send some of your guys and go and, and, and get Peter. A man called Peter. Just at that time, that general time, Peter goes up on, on the roof of his house. He's hungry. I, can't, I forget, it's like the third or the ninth hour of the day or something like that. He's, he's hungry. And he sees this vision of all of these animals coming down from heaven in a sheet. And they're clean animals and they're unclean animals. And so the voice says, kill and eat. Now he was a kosher Jew. And he says to the voice, starts arguing with the voice, I've never eaten anything unclean in my life. And this is what the voice says, don't call anything I have made unclean. Don't you ever do that again? Well, Peter knew that he wasn't just talking about food. Peter knew he was talking about people, about relationships. So here come these people, show up at Peter's door, says, came from a Roman centurion. Remember how hated Romans were at that time? They were the occupiers of the Jewish nation. Hated. And so they go to this. Came from the Roman center. Peter went right with him. Came and entered into the house. Now I want you to see what's happening again. Now, and then I want to draw out a principle for you. I want you to see that when Peter goes into this house, there's all kinds of barriers still. There is a ethnic barrier. Jesus is a Jew. Jews are ethnically bound to each other. They, uh, Judaism is of a, a certain ethnicity. This man is a, is a Gentile. This man has high and powerful honors. He is a respected Roman Officers can say to a whole bunch of people, go do, go do this, they got to do it. Peter, he's a fisherman. Fisherman. He's got nothing socially to recommend him. And they came from two different worlds. Two completely different cultures. 
But yet, as you read this, who is the one who is bestowing empowerment? It's the one without power. Why? Because he's the one with the relationship with Jesus. He's the one with the relationship with Jesus. Now, here's what I want to tell you. You've heard many times in your life the quotation from Scripture, you reap what you sow. I want to, I want to show you something else. I want you to know the general story in Scripture, especially of, of the, the New Testament, is you sow what you've reaped. See, Jesus was in the life of Peter. And because the personality of Jesus and the power of Jesus said, I want you to have uncomfortable conversations just like I had. I want you to go to people who are different than you just like I did. I want you to bridge broad chasms because that's who I am and I'm in you. Peter had reaped the nature of Jesus. Now he must sow it. That's what he was doing that day. A few days ago, I was in the Middle East. And I had been um, sent. I, I went with a delegation of Christian and Muslim leaders. I, I went with my, my friend, Muhammad Musri, Imam Musri, who's the the leader of the, the Islamic Society of Central Florida. We've been friends for over 20 years. And we went to uh, meet with a delegation from Pakistan. Now you understand, and I know some of you, somebody's worshiping from Pakistan right now, but the incidents of religious persecution, especially from, uh, for Christians in that country, um, is, is um, you know, um, periodic. Let's put it like that. And so these were Christian and Muslim leaders from Pakistan. These are the national leaders, national faith leaders from Pakistan. We had no idea what we were walking into and neither did they. And it was very uncomfortable because they'd heard some bad stuff about us, especially about evangelical Christians. And we had heard some bad stuff about them. But I want to tell you, at the end of that, at the end of that, those days, we had to repent. We had to repent of what we believed about each other. Do you know why? Because we actually started to know each other. Can I tell you something? Most of what you think you know, you don't know. Most of what you think you know, you don't know. Watch this. Until you know a who in the midst of the what. You see, this is all about relationships. You never have an accurate idea, or at least a partially accurate idea, of any particular group unless you actually know and have an ongoing conversation with somebody from that group. Then you begin to have some sort of idea who that is. How did we figure that out? It's exactly what God did in Jesus Christ. We thought we knew who God was till he came as a person. And we realized we had some stuff wrong because this was God. We form our information about God from a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. At the end of this, one of them came to us and they said, 
you know? And I just thought this was so huge because these are imams of mosques that are 70,000, 100,000. Huge, huge power in their country. And they came and said, you know, I got to tell you, we had it wrong about you. And I kind of feel bad about that. See how different that is from a young man who could go and sit in the midst of people who loved Jesus and talked about God and was so insulated and isolated from that entire conversation. He said at one point, I almost couldn't do it. A little bit was getting through, but he steeled himself into the encapsulation of his own stereotypes and murdered the saints. We've got to make sure we're not doing the same. And so we come to Acts chapter 10. And we start picking up some of the language of God through Peter. This is what it says in verse 28. God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. And he gathers his whole household to hear what Peter has to say about Jesus. And Jesus, I mean, Peter goes on and, 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 and says, he's talking and it, this I begins, I, 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 I understand, you know, I understand that God doesn't show any partiality. The front part of, of the 28th uh, verse is, you yourselves know it's unlawful for a man who's a Jew to associate with a foreigner visit with him. Yet God has shown me. And I understand, watch this, that God is not one, this is verse 34, not, God does not want to show partiality, but in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And so, it's important to understand that our household, watch this, is both the basis of the mission of God and the sending place of the mission of God. That's what you'll learn when you get into this lesson of our discipleship materials. You'll learn that God always had a strategy and it was to build your household as a group. Now remember a household in, in this culture is not just blood families, not just biological members um, of, of, a, of a family. It's, it's whoever's, it's your closest relationships. You know, whoever was in the household was of the household. Even if that person was a stranger, that, per, that person was of the household. And so when this comes to showing hospitality, by the way, hospitality comes from two Greeks, Greek words. The first one, uh, it, it's, uh, it's uh, phyllis xenoi, that's, that's the word hospitality, phyllis xenoi. Phyllis is, is the Greek word for brotherly love. The city of Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love, okay, phyllis. And then xenoi is stranger or alien or outsider. So you treat an outsider as a brother. You treat an outsider as family, as a close friend. And, this, and the scripture is basically saying this, I want you to show hospitality 
Because that's how we do things. <clears throat> Pardon me, not just you personally, <clears throat> but your whole household. <clears throat> Let me translate this for you. <clears throat> Anywhere you are, you have a mission of God to get into a conversation with someone who's not like you just to form a possible relationship. That's especially true if you're in the church. I know, I, I love the little clusters of friends who just meet, you know, outside the, you know, and I, I, I know you all by heart by now. When I walk through the hallways, I, I see you gathered, and I love it that you have fellowship and you enjoy one another and so on and so forth. But could you all every once in a while just look out for the person who's standing by himself? Could you just, could you just, when somebody kind of is just, could you just say, hi, I'm so-and-so. I'm so glad to be worshiping with you today. What brings you here? And listen to the story. You see, all of us have to have that kind of outreach, but we have to have it all together too. We have to be hospitable to all people, engage all folks, all groups in conversations. That's the only thing that's gonna fix this world. Do you remember what the word peace is? Peace is not just the absence of conflict. Peace is having everything come back together. <clears throat> having everything come back together to be whole again. And what is happening right now in this scripture is that, is that there's a first in Christianity. And the first in the church is, do you, you remember your first, you, you, your life is full of events that kind of went into making up who you are. And most of you can remember the first time, let's say, can you remember the first kiss you ever had? First kiss, first kiss. Mine was horrible, by the way. It was just horrible. I was so nervous, I totally missed her mouth. Kissed her right here. But I didn't adjust, I was too nervous. So I just went away, going, oh. I really haven't gotten much better since that time, but it was just not, <clears throat> it was not a, not, a good, not a good event, but I'll never forget it as long as I live. You remember? Remember the first money you ever earned? Remember, remember the first time you ever drove a car without adults? Yeah, we all remember that, don't we? This is a first for the church. This is a first. And we need to remember this because it's very important in how we need to live the rest of our lives. Our households are not just for our comfort. Our households are places of welcome. By the way, hospitality is not about welcoming someone into your perfect house. It's about welcoming somebody into your imperfect heart, into your imperfect heart. So it doesn't matter where hospitality happens, all right? It's just, it's just the thought that, that we, would, we would not rest until we welcomed folks, until we built conversations that we wouldn't ordinarily have outside of our own comfort. That, that, that it's not about just, just receiving so that we can, you know, uh, do what we do. We need to understand that our house is not only a place of sanctuary, it's a launching pad for mission. There's an old African proverb, Swahili. I love this. Treat a guest as a guest for two days. If he stays a third day, give him a hoe. 
In other words, we're not doing anybody any favors by just trying to get along. We're here to work together. All of us here are work together. We all have a mission. And it has everything to do with the house. Do you remember how Jesus started his mission as an adult? At his, what we understand to be his bar mitzvah? This is in, this is in, in Luke chapter 2. And, and uh, um, um, he, uh, his parents leave uh, after, the, after the festival. And, and they assume that he's with the other parent because the men and women travel differently. And up till the time you're bar mitzvah, all the children go with the women. But when you become a man, then the male children go with the men. So when he went around Joseph, Joseph just thought he was with Mary. And when he went around Mary, Mary just thought he was Joseph. They got out there and know Jesus. You remember this. They come back. They're searching all over the city. And when they find him in the temple, what did he say? Luke chapter 2, verse 49. Watch this. <clears throat> Why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? Or some variations of about my father's house. I would be about the things of my father. What, don't you know me that well? What is our identity? We need to be about the things of our father. That's what a household is. Do you remember the picture he has after we exit the earth? It's in John chapter 14. And this is what he says. In my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there ye may be also. Now let me tell you something about this. That's not a singular you. You know, we usually interpret uh, our, our relationship with God. It's all about us personally. That's not how God sees it. God doesn't look at you and go, hmm, okay, today you had this many sins subtracted by this many good deeds. How did you come out? That's not how he looks at you. This is plural. This is y'all. All y'all. This is plural. And he's talking about a family. He's talking about relationships that had been built on this earth. Coming back. And joining in a great community in heaven. We'll never be just by ourselves. That's hell, by the way. We will always find a community where we are loved and we are accepted. That's heaven. And that's what we need to build down here on earth as it is in heaven. And so that's why it says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1, let mutual love continue. Do not neglect showing hospitality to strangers, for by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. You never know who's in that group. We need to continue bridging the barriers, including people. Not just because God said to do it, but because that's the nature that Christ is in us. We ought not to be able to stand to leave anybody out. Can I tell you one more, quick, one more story? I love this story. I, I read some time ago that in San Antonio, Texas, <clears throat> I think we have, we have a home church in San Antonio. Um, 
San Antonio, Texas, uh, this church youth group, I think they were middle schoolers, planned to go and, and play laser tag. There was a laser tag thing. I, now I've never, I don't know what laser tag is. I've never, <laughs> may startle you to know, I never played laser tag. <clears throat> but I guess it's a lot of fun. So anyhow, they, they had an appointment, they got to the laser tag place, and the owner came out and said, I am so sorry, but I had to bump you. We have some VIPs coming in, and I, and I want them to have a good time, and, and I'm so sorry, I'll give you your games for free, but you gotta wait for an hour. Well, they're wondering, who is this? Well, these huge guys come in, it's the San Antonio Spurs basketball team. And so these guys are running around, playing laser tag, and one of them, you know, they got a lot of Christians on the team. One of them noticed these kids that are sitting there. And they asked. And they said, well, we bumped them because you guys were coming in. They said, well, that's no fair. They went over, got the kids. The kids not only ended up playing, playing for free, but playing laser tag with the San Antonio Spurs. <laughs> now, I, I tell you that story, not just because it's cool, but because that's the way I want us to be. When we see people standing, we're just, you know, on the sidelines, we ought not to be able to stand that. Do you understand? You, this is your world. Your father owns this world. You're inheritors of this world. This is, you need to be the hosts. You need to make sure that all people feel welcome and loved and listened to. And ultimately, that will figure out who Jesus is through the way you lived. So let it be. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you. Let me do something. I, 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 let me interrupt this prayer. <laughs> this just in. I, I bowed my head. I, I, right before I came up here, the Lord said, I want you to do one of those standing altar calls today. And I totally forgot about it until I was up here. And I bowed my head and God said, hey. <laughs> so let me tell you what this is like. Um, we always have a prayer of salvation um, in every service, just for folks who, they believe in God, they believe in Jesus, they've never given, they've never given their life to, to Christ. Because they didn't know how. They didn't know it was required, you know. And so they've never said that prayer that says, God, I'm yours. I want to be yours. I want to accept personally the gift of salvation. And it's a very personal gift that has to be accepted personally. It's not enough just to believe in God. The, the demons believe in God. And they tremble. But they're not saved. It's something that's a very personal relationship. And so there's a simple way to do this. And I love to say this prayer with folks. Simple way to do this. So let me just ask. I think there is someone here who needs to say this prayer or God wouldn't be so insistent about it. So let me just ask if, if there's anyone who's never said this prayer publicly before and you're ready, you want that kind of relationship, would you just be brave enough to stand where you are and we'll pray this prayer together. I'll pray this and you can just kind of silently pray it after me, but you'll know that you've done it and you know that you belong to God afterwards. Is there anybody who wants to pray this prayer with me this morning? You realize, of course, he's not gonna leave you alone. Who stood? Okay, good, good, good. God bless you. 
God bless you, young man. That's awesome. Who else? Would somebody else join him? Somebody's pointing where so. Oh, God bless you. Good. It's a great, great week to get saved. Who else would like to do this? Who else? Somebody else is pointing. Thank you. I see you up there. God bless you. Good for you. God had you in mind, apparently. All, all, all y'all, all y'all. Who else? Okay, honey. Okay, come on. Good for you. Good for you. Who else? Anybody else want to say this prayer? I see you up there. God bless you. I'm glad. This is... I sure am glad I... Who else? Anybody else? Good for you. Good for you, young man. Good for you. Anybody else? All right. Let me tell you what we're going to do. Those of you who are standing right now, keep standing, but bow your head. And I'm going to pray a little prayer slowly. And I want you just to whisper under your breath to God after me so that you know that you have said these words um, because the Bible says if you believe in your heart uh, Jesus is Lord and, and confess with your mouth um, I'm sorry believe in your house uh, believe in your heart help me with this I just went blank huh confess in your mouth yeah Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead that's it yeah 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 okay <laughs> I'm still going to get us there, believe it or not. <laughs> hey, bow your heads and pray with me. Lord Jesus, I confess that I have sinned by my own thinking and action. I have separated myself from you. I don't want to be separate from you. I know when you died on the cross, you paid for my sins too. And you abolished the penalty and the power of sin in my life. And you offer me the gift of salvation. I ask you, Lord, to come into my heart and live there. I want a new life that follows you all my days. And I thank you for the assurance that I have now been born again. Amen. God bless you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. All right, everybody stand. Everybody stand. If somebody stood, was, was saying that prayer around you, I want you to go up and just hug them after. This is a holy hug. Hug them after the service. Say, welcome. Those of you who were standing, we have, uh, just let us know who you are if you'd like to get involved in a, a short-term Bible study so that we can help you kind of get your feet on the ground. Um, and you can do that by the tear-out information. Drop it in any of the offering boxes. Um, and somebody will give you a call and we'll just give, make sure you've got the basics. Um, now, for those of us uh, who are about to go out, those of you online, um, have an, by the way, I know there are some of you online that just said that prayer with me right into the online ministers and we'll get you started in, in giving you the fundamentals of walking with Christ. The online ministers are Bill Gary and Nathan Clark. Um, if you're in this room, we're going to have a prayer team up here afterwards. If you want prayer, we'd love to pray with you. It's what we do. The Bible says bear one another's burdens. 
Um, um, and, and, and one more thing. Those of you, <laughs> it's going to be a little tough to get through. Those of you fathers that are in prison right now, I know how you're hurting because you can't be with your kids. I want you to know I'm praying for you and God's with you and God's with them. So happy Father's Day anyhow. If you want to get more connected to the church, go to the hub. But let's go out from this place. Look for strangers. Start conversations. See what God does. Amen.